Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Reminder, Josh Parcell going to join the show at 5.30. We'll talk a little national college football. We'll get his take on uh, what happened yesterday with the NCAA as well. But right now, Gordon, let's talk a little Utah Jazz basketball. We've got some news. Yes. I will release, or I will read right from the release here. The Utah Jazz announced today that the team assigned guard Dante Exum to the Salt Lake City Stars, the Jazz exclusively owned and operated NBA G League team. Exum participated in parts of closed practice today on a rehab assignment as part of his return to play protocol. He was recalled following practice. Um, this is, I mean, I not not groundbreaking news, but I think this is news that Dante's return is probably sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah, they just want to get him ready. Now, here's the thing with Dante, and I was talking to, uh, to Jason Lee. Uh, he's been in the the media around here doing sports and non sports for a long, long time. Great guy. Uh, the Deseret News are he's he's covering the Jazz temporarily for the Des News as they replace uh, Eric Woodyard. Uh, but I was chatting with him at practice yesterday. The hard part about Dante. Are like think about his strengths. They're all natural, right? I mean, his his athletic ability, his size, his length, and those sorts of things, which which give him such tremendous upside. You know, the stuff he struggles with, or the stuff everybody struggles with. But thanks to time on the court, everybody gets better at, right? Yeah. You know, your vision and ball mm-hmm. handling and all those things that that uh, Dante really needs to work on. But you can't. He's got to be on the floor, and I think that's been the hardest part with these injuries. Outside of for his, you know, his challenge to get back personally is. He's unable to be on the floor working on the things that he needs to work on. How do you get any better if you can't work on those things? And so I think they're, and I've been saying this for a while, I guess years, but I think they're just fi- trying to find a way to get him work on the floor any way they can. Yeah, and uh, I agree with what you said. I remember talking with Dennis Lindsay back when they drafted Dante, and uh, a lot of folks thought that he would be, he had a high basketball IQ and would be able to thrive in that aspect of the game. But like you say, <laughs> you can think it, but not do it in real time. Right. So that's what he has to do, spend time on the floor. And the really ironic, th- one of the really weird things about this uh, whole story is that in his rookie year, he played in every game. Right. But that was before he was physically ready to continue on with the major progress. So, uh, man, I mean, I know there are People out there who suffer from various uh, misfortunes and whatnot. But as far as the sports context go and the people who are involved in it, you certainly hope that this guy can stay healthy this yeah. time. But, I mean, um, Jason and I, the reason we were talking about Dante is because Dante was playing two-on-two um, right in front of us. He was, uh, it was I think, Jarrell Brantley, Nigel Williams-Goss on uh, Dante and uh, George Niang. And they were playing pretty hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were going at it. And... Dante on one play, this it was like back-to-back plays. On one play, made an incredibly strong move to the basket and finished, and then on the very next play, made an incredibly strong move to the basket and threw it into the other court. <laughs> okay, you know, I mean, he just needs time to figure right. out what he's doing and hone those skills. When he made the strong moves to the basket, did he fall? 
No, no, he did not. He made the layup and then got back on defense. He looks bigger and stronger, doesn't he? Uh, He does, especially compared to when he was a rookie. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. But if he does stay healthy and gets a chance to be on the floor, I think he will help the Jazz in a fairly significant way. I think he's going to have to play his way into the rotation, though. Yeah. I mean, there are things he has to work through, like you said. But if he is... If he if he stays healthy enough to to to, to spend that time, then uh, there are he has weaknesses. Look, we all know that there are things that that he he needs uh, vast improvement with. But from a standpoint of when the Jazz need somebody to go out and play some tough defense, don't you think uh, he's a, a strong candidate for that? I do, but the problem with that is is that he can't be a complete liability on offense. I mean, he has to be good enough on offense that that. You can you can reliably play him. It's the um, it's what Royce O'Neal had to do. Royce O'Neal's defense was top notch from the day that that uh, the Jazz signed him, but he had to get his offense to the point where they that it was good enough that he can play twenty five. Yeah, but Dante a game. has shown a ten, a, an ability to get to the rim using that first step and going strong to the rack. Mm-hmm. He, you know, so he can help offensively in that regard. The but question he, is. Does he have the, the court savvy that you were talking about to deliver the right pass, get the ball to the right player at the right time, and to be able to hit the perimeter shot? Last year, at one in one stretch, Quinn put him in for about a minute, and he had three turnovers. Yeah, I remember that. And that had happened in previous years, you, too. You, that, that's what wow, he can't— Quinn had to take him out. You that's, can't do that. Yeah. You know. I mean, his his move to the basket is is very is good. I think his his shot is getting better in that two on two game. I saw him knock down a couple of threes. I mean, I think that's probably improving at a fairly steady rate. But but what you can't do is completely sink the ship. I mean, if you have three turnovers right in a row, imagine if you're playing Houston or somebody or, or Golden State and Steph Curry, and that's a nine point swing. So let me ask you this question then: Do you think, uh, Doctor Freud, that? Dante Exum is more confident now than he was two or three years ago. Oh, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. However, he, you know, the whole health history has to be a bit of an anchor dragging along. Uh, Clint tweets into the show. He says, Dante Exum has been a pro for five years already. How long does he need to not make rookie mistakes? Mm-hmm. I think that's my point is that he's been so interrupted and unable to. He spent these big swaths of time unable to do anything. How many you know, games did he play in last year? Would here, you, would you best guess? I mean, he has had some time on the court that you would expect him to have made strong progress in those appearances, even though they've been far from complete. True, true. No, that is true. So, uh, and I, I suppose Clint does have a, but but think of Dante's career arc. I mean, he didn't go to college. He sat out that year in high school. He was always going to be a project. He was he was not a, a complete player when he got to this league. Like a lot of young players uh, are not even close to complete. I mean, how many, you know, top five busts have we seen along the way where you get these, you know, physical freaks of nature that you think you can mold like clay into Michael Jordan because the physical aspect is there, and then you know the skill part of the whole thing never catches up. And and maybe that happens to Dante. Maybe it doesn't. But when you've had so many setbacks. Um, here's here's his uh, here's his career, Gordon. He, as you mentioned, he played 82 games in his rookie year. 
2015-2016 did not play. 2016-2017 played a little bit, 66 games. 2017-2018 only 14 games, and then last year played 42. But yeah. but remember, he had a tough time getting his way into the rotation. A lot of those those 42 games he played, he didn't play much. In fact, he only averaged 15.8 minutes per game. Yeah. And 14 or let's see, and 16.8 minutes per game the year before. Well, if he can be healthy, I think he'll get more time than that. And here's why. I understand what you're saying about his offensive game. He has to be able to contribute. Can't be a liability there. But how can, how many games can you say to Royce, uh, Royce, okay, you're our stopper tonight. Night after night after night after night. He needs help in that regard. And I think Dante can provide that. He's got to provide a little bit more too to get back in the Especially, rotation. Well, I'm talking about the strong wings in the in the league. Oh yeah, man, Royce. I mean, this is kind of a different topic, but you're right. He's going to be leaned on a lot. He really is. I mean, tonight, um, you know, if Kawhi Leonard were playing, yeah, and I had not the same tonight, thought earlier today. Uh, it would be Royce, Royce would be a, again. He, yep, go get him, Royce. Oh wow. Okay, sure. <laughs> it's tough to do. He needs some relief. I don't know. Well, yeah, of course he needs some relief, but I, I think Royce, I think Royce is very equipped to play that role on this team. And yeah, it, it's going to be it, it's it's underrated, and I th- I think it's a big part of the reason why he's in the starting lineup. You know, we talk about Joe and what he can do coming off the bench, and that's really important. But starting Royce also, you can put Royce on the other team's best player, and maybe maybe Kawhi. Not tonight again because he's not playing. But maybe he doesn't get off to a red hot start because Royce O'Neal is in the starting lineup and making it tough for him. There are so. pl- but there are players that Royce O'Neal is going to be asked to guard that he's not as quick as, and he's going to get beat. And it, it, okay, so that brings up the question: Then is Dante Exum quicker than Royce O'Neal? Probably. I mean, Dante Exum's quicker than a lot of folks, you know, but. I don't know how many how many guys in the league are you thinking are quicker than Royce O'Neal. No. Give me an example. Who who would Royce struggle with? I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you necessarily. I'm just trying to picture in my mind exactly who you're talking about. Uh, well, I was thinking along the lines of some of the great uh, scoring point guards in the league. I don't know if he's going to be asked to defend like Damian Lillard, but I mean, okay, would, so Damian, would somebody if like Damian? If Damian Lillard or C.J. McCollum just lighten it up. Who are the Jazz going to put on him? Uh, Donovan Mitchell, if he uh, continues no. playing defense the way he's playing now sure in the fourth quarter. That. Not sure about that. Well, it's a little bit not why convinced you convinced anyway. Yeah. It's a little bit why you do miss Ricky Rubio. Not that he's Gary Payton, but he was at least six four and a fairly long player. Yeah. Um. So you miss him a little bit there. I think uh, I've I've seen Royce. I can't give you specific examples where I chronicled it, but I've seen Royce get beat. Uh, on numerous occasions. But I think, I'm not saying he's not a good defender. He's a good defender. But there are times when Dante could be a more effective defender. Well, okay, but I don't think... Uh, at, then we're talking about, I think, Mike Conley because I don't think Royce is going to be asked to, to guard Damian Lillard much this year or, or point guards much. I, I, I wait, think, wait, do you think Mike Conley can guard Dame? Well, he's going to have to because Mike Conley's only six feet tall. So Mike Conley can only match up against so many people on the floor. Mm. 
And well, on the on the the Blazers, he can match McCollum and and Damian. But outside of that, I mean, so he's going to have to guard one of those guys. I I think. By the way, Clinton, I, he reminds us that Exum has played 204 games, the equivalent of two and a half NBA seasons. All right, and maybe so not to not to overly defend Dante, but it is interrupted. Yes, I mean that it is. That's going to have. Uh, I get it, but he's been on the court. He has. Two and a half seasons worth. And maybe he's a little bit behind where, where he should be. I'd, I'd listen to that argument. but Yeah, but because you, you bring up a strong point there because like if you're, if you're making progress and then all of a sudden you have to go sit for, for a year, yeah, that is not the same as continued progress no, for sure. No, it's not. No. But I, I can see where Clint Knight's coming from because, hey, you know, these are basic skills in the NBA, and he should have been picking some of this stuff up all, all along. Yeah, I'm just saying, he's the been road. watching an awful lot of basketball, too. So you'd think he would be able to recognize, read situations, some of that stuff. It just that. hasn't been, uh, it hasn't been incredibly easy on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's for sure. But see, well, anyway, I wonder what I, we. I, I'll say this, Jake. I really think Dante Exum is going to help this team if he stays healthy. I believe that's a possibility. Will he be a great offensive player? No. I don't see that. But he will be able to. Define really going to help this team. Uh, what kind of production are you talking I about? I think they will need him at the defensive end. Okay, but uh, they're going to go up against some of these about... tough teams in the West, and he'll be able to come off the bench, and if not shut some players down, at least slow them down. So are we talking about 20 minutes a night? We're we talking about 15? Yeah, somewhere in that range. I don't. I don't think he gets there. No. Well, how well is, is Emmanuel Moutier playing? And how healthy are the Jazz? That's the other question. Yeah. yeah all, a lot of factors involved. But I think as far as his skill set goes, he can help the Jazz if he gets the opportunity. All right, coming up right around the corner, we're going to talk to Josh Parcell, our friend uh, of the College Football Country podcast fame, also WFNZ in Charlotte, and part of uh, Sirius and XM Satellite Radio's College Football Country. Our boy Josh is all over the place. He'll give us the national perspective on college football coming up right around the corner, so stay tuned for that. But joining us now in studio, our good friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic, helping our listeners with their love lives. Right, Andrew? We really are. Um, this new treatment, FDA cleared about five or six years ago, by the way, um, has been a great solution for erectile dysfunction guys suffering with the problem young and old uh i've got patients every day probably in their 20s and in their 90s and it can be (laughs) back to back so it's an interesting wide spectrum i think it can happen to anybody if you're out there listening and you have ed you're more normal than you think i promise that um it's it can strike anybody and there is a solution and it doesn't involve medication I bet you it's interesting talking to the spouses yeah. throughout all of this. Yeah. A lot of guys say when they come in that they're surprised so many spouses are there. Hmm. Uh, they think there's going to be only men, and it, it's not the case. A lot of spouses attend along, and it's a joint decision. I think it's kind of a compliment to the man if the woman brings it up. It's it's kind of a weird thing. The, the woman sometimes thinks it's an insult to the man, but it means maybe she wants to improve the relationship or the intimacy. So. A lot of women call in and set the appointments for the husbands. I like the support. I do too. The fact that the women are that go in with uh, with their man. Yeah, and if the woman didn't care, I think that's worse. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. I'd rather have her bring so, bring it up. Honestly, you know, sometimes we tiptoe around it, but this is a huge part of any yeah. relationship. It really is. Yeah, and and the fact that we can get you back to a point of normal function, spontaneity, not eating the pill anymore. The acoustic wave will open up the blood vessels. Um, it's been great. 
and you're you're basically going to do this consult with a doctor for free. Yeah, and there's not much time left to do the you know to take advantage of the free offer. So call in now if you're struggling. Uh, we'll do the initial assessment, exam, blood flow ultrasound. Normally um, three hundred dollars. Call now; it's totally free. 801-901-8000, Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. All right, we're talking to Josh Parcell. Coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about the Ford Fan Zone. Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream. Starting as low as $37 per ticket, visit utahjazz.com or call 801-325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. You know, Jake, I'm, uh, I'm starting to uh, second-guess myself about our conversation about Dante Axon. You're second-guessing yourself? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because I don't know how effective he's going to be. Well, are you going to explain why you're second-guessing yourself, or are you just going to uh, go, well, I, I don't know? No, I listened to your argument. We talked about it during the break, and I, I started to double-clutch there a little bit. Well, I, it, this is this is certain, Gordon. I, I'm extremely confident in this. If, if Dante Exum is going to have an impact – on the Jazz this year, it's going to be because he's playing well, because he's going to have to play his way back into the rotation. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Yep. So, I, you know, I I agree. We had a, a tweeter that says, uh, you know, if they get anything from Dante this year, it will be gravy. And I agree with that. I, there are a lot of people who really have just sort of given up. Don't you agree? I think there are some, yes. Yeah, they just say, "Look, okay, that was a nice try, but they're, they they've sort of seen enough, and uh, certainly don't want Dante thinking that way." But joining us on the Sprint special guest line, Sprint is the network built for unlimited with great deals on great devices every day. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Our college football expert, he makes the magic happen at WFNZ in Charlotte, not to mention Sirius and XM Radio and the College Football Country Podcast. He's our friend Josh Parcell. Hi, Josh. What's up, fellas? How are you guys? Hey, we are great. The NBA season is back, so we're happy about that. How are the folks in in Charlotte, by the way, with with no Kemba and uh, rebuilding Hornets team? Uh, They weren't great until about a week ago. Uh, You know, the first game of the season, they got out, they actually won, which was huge. Uh, that looks a lot better when you're one and three, one and four, as opposed to zero and four, zero and five. Um, so getting that first win was big. But th- this is a long-term rebuild in Charlotte. There's no question about it. Uh, I know eventually they want to get to the point where they're playing basketball like they do out your ways. Uh, Donovan Mitchell fans have not forgotten that Donovan Mitchell went just a pick or two after Malik Monk. That that still stings here in Charlotte. So you guys got the better of that one. Speaking of uh, your particular region there, are the Tennessee Volunteers improving? I mean, I think you have to say that they are. Uh, and I'm I'm not a major Jeremy Pruitt fan just from a demeanor standpoint. I didn't love what he did a couple weeks ago with his quarterback against Alabama. But you know what they did to South Carolina uh, was impressive. South Carolina was playing good football going into the last week. Uh, not only did they knock off Georgia, but – 
followed it up with an impressive showing against Florida, a game where, you know, if it weren't for some bad officiating calls, I think South Carolina could have potentially won that game at home. So really like what Tennessee is doing right now. Uh, offensively, they look at least uh, more competent. Uh, Garantano, Brian Moore also, I know he's been hurt, but Garantano playing okay. Uh, I think Tennessee is getting better. I, I don't know that Tennessee is ever going to get back to where they think they deserve to be, uh, at least not with Jeremy Pruitt. But in an SEC East where once you get past the top couple teams, it's kind of up for grabs, I do like uh, at least the, the, the signs of progress that Tennessee has shown over the last three or four weeks. Obviously, some of our listeners remember uh, Tennessee going up against BYU and what that team looked like at that time. But it does. Yeah, they're, better than, they're better now than they were then, that's for sure. Hard to be worse. Yeah. Josh Parcell with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Josh, this is a huge weekend uh, out here in the Pac-12, specifically the Pac-12 South. Utah goes to Washington, and uh, Oregon travels to L.A. to take on the Trojans at the Coliseum. Now, obviously, Ute fans are rooting for the Utes to beat Washington and the the Ducks to take down the Trojans. What's the likelihood of that happening in your mind? You know, I think I, I like Oregon's chances. Um, uh, USC has got a lot of athletes, as we know. Um, I really like the play they've gotten a quarterback from Slovis. Uh, I think that kid's going to have a bright future. Um, they run the ball okay, uh, fairly well. With I mean, I think uh, believe the freshman step. I, I, I've liked what I've seen out of him. They have a couple of guys back there, so I think USC is going to give Oregon a game. I think Oregon might have been caught looking ahead a little bit last week against Washington State, and you cannot do that against Mike Leach. But I'll tell you what, guys, the more I watch Utah, the more I think this team has playoff written all over it. And they're not getting enough credit for how dominant they have been much of this season. And I know that they are just kicking themselves for not showing up in the first half of that game against USC when they knocked out Slovis and Fink came in and played well. Because if you take out that USC game – it's hard to find four teams that have looked more thoroughly dominant than the Utes. Uh, defensively, arguably the best defense in America, certainly in the conversation is one of the best, giving up only two and a half rushing yards a game or two and a half rushing yards a carry. You know that. Uh, and offensively, they they just they beat you with such a methodical approach. Zach Moss is so good; nobody talks about him nearly enough. Huntley playing efficient at quarterback. They, they don't blow you away offensively, but. They do enough to, by the end of the game, you look up at the scoreboard and you're like, wait, Utah's up by 30? How did this happen? Uh, I, I love what they're doing. This is a big test. If they get past this one, they should be 11-1. and one. So a lot on the line in this game because, man, Utah gets through this, beats a, a one-loss Oregon potentially in a Pac-12 title game. I, I think they're going to get in. Uh, they may need a little bit of help, but I, I think the Utes are in great shape. Yeah, the help is USC losing. That has to happen, like you just uh, articulated right. there. But what about the problems the Utes have had at, playing at Washington? We we talked with Dennis Todd about this earlier, and he, he didn't think that this game would really carry much weight nationally, but certainly it would locally. Be, one, because the Utes have to win. Two, because this particular opponent has been troublesome for them. Yeah, I know they've given Utah some fits. And Chris Peterson, while the shine may have worn off a bit on him, still a good football coach, still talent, of course, at Washington. But like you said, or like Dennis said, I guess, nationally speaking, this game's not really going to carry a ton of weight. 
Uh, I know Washington gave Oregon everything they could handle in that game a couple weeks ago. Uh, that was Washington at their best. But with a loss to Stanford, with a loss to Cal, um, this game is just not going to carry the weight that it needs to, you know, when you're talking about stacking up high-quality wins. And that's what the committee cares about. If we've seen anything, guys, over the last five years in the playoffs, you got to have high-quality wins. you got to win a, a top-ten game, right? Like uh, a couple years ago it was Ohio State going into Norman and beating Oklahoma. That got them into the playoffs, despite the fact that they didn't even win the Big Ten East. So uh, you see the emphasis that the committee has placed historically on those high-level elite wins. Washington, while certainly a good win, Washington's a a pretty good program. They're 5-3. and That's not going to carry the same sort of weight as a potential win over Oregon might at the end of the season if the Ducks are still in the top ten and you would think with one loss. Josh, if you had a vote, who would you put number one right now and why? I would put LSU one. I just think it's hard to argue with the, the, the level of wins that they've had. I mean, no one else can say that they've knocked off uh, Auburn and Florida, uh, two teams of that caliber, in my opinion. The Texas win all of a sudden doesn't really mean a whole lot, and I think that that hurts not only them but Oklahoma uh, because both of those teams could be potential one-loss teams fighting to get into the playoff, and all of a sudden that Texas win isn't really one that stacks up at, like the elite wins I was just talking about. I think LSU has earned it as far as their resume. Uh, do I think they're the best team in college football? I don't. I, I still think Clemson is. Um, I think if Tua Tagovailoa gets healthy again, I know people are a little worried about the run game and especially the defense. I trust Alabama to figure it out uh, when it matters most. Uh, but I, I think Clemson's the best team. They haven't played like it. I think LSU has played like the best team to this point. And if I had a vote, I would put them number one. Who's the best player you've seen as far as the performances this season? Wow. Um, that is a great question. Um, Chase Young, I think, is the best player in college football. I mean, what he did last week against Wisconsin is we, we haven't seen, at least I haven't seen five performances better than that in my life in college football. It was insane what he was able to do, racking up, was it seven and a half tackles for loss, four sacks? I mean, he dominated what is historically one of the best offensive lines in college football. Uh, that is an incredible effort. Uh, I know that he's getting a lot of attention for the Heisman. I just can't go that far. Um, I, I mean, I would love to give it to him, and I appreciate that people are starting to come around to the idea that defensive players deserve that award. But realistically, the bar is way too high for a defensive player to actually win. And Dominican Sue had as dominant of a season as we've ever seen from a defensive lineman and he only came in third, and that was after the final game of his season where he had four sacks and a bunch of tackles for loss against Texas in the Big 12 title game. I think Chase Young will have to do something similar to what he did on Saturday, again, probably both against Michigan and in the Big Ten championship game to really have a chance, or else the voters will they'll tend to forget things that happened in the middle of October. Uh, but if you're just asking me purely who the best player is, it, it's Chase Young, and, and I actually don't even know that it's close. What did you think about the news yesterday about the NCAA Board of Governors kind of starting the process of uh, compensation for likeness? Uh, how much time you got? <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's obviously complicated, but it's at least a step in the right direction. Um, this was the NCAA, in my mind, kicking the can down the road on actually having to take any action. Um, I like that they set a timeline on the, uh, on the whole thing, saying that they want a resolution in place by the end of 2021, 
the issues there is that, well, Florida is proposing legislation that would take place in the next year. So, I, I mean, the NCAA probably needs to be ahead of any sort of actual legal proposals or regulations that are placed upon them. Uh, but without getting into all the weeds there, guys, it is at least a good thing that we're at a point that we're recognizing these athletes have value outside of a four-year scholarship. And I have been a firm believer for a long time in the Olympic model. Um, I think that these players deserve their whatever the market deems that they're worth. And hopefully eventually we get to a point where that happens. And if nothing else, I just want the NCAA football game back. And I think it's happening. So <laughs> we can all rejoice with that that we might get our football game back because I spent way too many hours. It honestly is one of the reasons why I love college football as much as I do is because of that video game. So the fact that we might get it back, I think, is great news for the for the future and the health of the sport and the popularity of the game. So, Josh, I'm afraid I want to throw you right back in the weeds again here. But if you were to look at all the pro, all the issues that arise with this particular ruling as far as how how's that going to work, you know, the whole the advantage and disadvantage as far as recruiting goes, all that, uh, the, the, the some people saying that uh, this will completely throw the thing out of balance. I don't know whether that's true or not, but my question to you is, five years down the road, look into your crystal ball and tell me how it's going to work. Um, I, I think the, the narrative that this is going to somehow – radically change recruiting, I think is overblown. Um, the reason that Clemson is the greatest program in college football right now, guys, they spend the most money, right? I mean, there are a few other programs right there with them, but you look at the facilities that Clemson has built, the amount of money that they've spent on their coaching staff, um, the amount of money that they pour into recruiting, that's why they're recruiting five-star kids left and right. I mean, Dabo built something in the beginning, hired a great staff, and now the revenue that they have – so the programs that have that kind of money, they're always going to get the best kids. And kids are going to have to decide, as they do now, do I go to the place with the absolute best coaching, best facilities, whatever, the best talent, or do I go to a, maybe a slightly lesser program where I can play more if I'm not guaranteed to be a starter at the, you know, the top school? So I don't, I don't think it's going to radically shift recruiting. I think the, the rich are always getting richer and the poor are, quite honestly, always getting poorer. I mean, we're all talking about the same seven or eight teams every year for the playoff, aren't we? I mean, I just don't know that that's going to change all that much. Uh, five years from now, a lot of this depends on how far Congress wants to push this. Um, I think the, the big hang-up for them is going to be how they handle recruiting. When is a player eligible to receive compensation? Is it when, once they enter college or is it once they become a, a prospect? And that's a real thing. You have to register with the NCAA when you're in high school to be a prospect. Uh, is it that at that point, um, and then regulating how they manage their money, are they able to hire agents? Ultimate, I really, I'll be honest with you. I, anything that I would tell you right now would be guesswork in terms of what it will actually look like. I don't know. Um, it, I, I can give you Jay Billis's number, and he can probably give you a better answer than I can on exactly you know how this is all going to shake out. But one thing is clear: we're at least heading in the direction that we weren't heading in even two months ago, guys when the NCAA basically uh, flat out defied the California bill and said that they were going to punish and, and uh, you know, prohibit California schools from taking part in championships. Well, they've clearly changed their minds on that. So if hopefully we can keep the momentum going in this direction and the players can get what they deserve. 
Not if your fine Senator Richard Burr has anything to say about it. Well, yeah, we'll see about that. He he had about 30,000 replies on Twitter that told him exactly what they thought about uh, about his idea. That did not go over well. That's funny. Josh, thank you as always. We uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Of course, guys. You enjoy the, uh, enjoy the games this weekend. We'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, Thanks Josh. Right. Josh Parcell. You know that when you're a constituent, oh, about 30,000 of them express that they think you're being an idiot, uh, you might want to listen. Yeah, but then if he just says, I'm protecting North Carolina basketball, <laughs> then they change their tune all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, brother. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Big thanks to Josh Parcell for joining us. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Last night, that's why you got Boyan Bogdanovich. He made the critical plays at key moments. You wanted something different in terms of a strength that you have as a team. He brought that strength, and I thought it made the difference between winning and losing. Justin Zanuck and Dennis Lindsay deserve as much credit for that win as anybody. And I know it's game four, but this particular wrinkle in the game was as big a reason why they're 3-1. and one. Chris Paul, who I don't agree with or stand for anything he usually believes in or stands for. Yeah. And he said last week Bogdanovich is going to end up being the most under rated signing of the entire NBA. And so far, he may be right. He might be the most underrated signing so far, and it's been four games, but he's won two of them for the Utah Jazz, in my opinion. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Curiosity. What would happen if you got with me? Kissing you would hit the spot with me. Come and skip a couple rocks with me. Get so we had Ticket Wednesday here on the big show, 975-1280-the-zone, 855-340-zone. Caller 12 right now. We won't worry about the sounder, Austin. We'll just uh, just call for the callers. 855-340-zone. Uh, we're hooking you up with uh, tickets to go see the Salt Lake City Stars. Get into the action by grabbing your Salt Lake City Stars tickets today. Experience the excitement and continuity of the Salt Lake City Stars basketball all season long. Ticket options include single game tickets, group experiences, premium seating, and single ticket packages. Call 801-325-STAR and get your tickets today. This is one of my favorite bands. PK had a nice choice on that one. Oh, yeah, I was going to say some country band that PK likes. Oh, no, it's Old Dominion, man. They're good. They're really good. Winona Judd? As far as pop country goes, they're tops. These guys, they have a, they got the formula down. But I got to admit, I've seen them in concert maybe four times. They, they, they're good. No, the like guy it. that's got the formula down is the guy ripping off Jimmy Buffett every day and cashing checks, doing every song the same time and time again, and taking PK's 401k for his groupie uh, uh, fees. Yeah. Was that too strong? Or? No, I think it was actually right on right the Right accurate? Okay. Uh, across the board. You think Kenny's jealous that PK picked Old Dominion? No, I'm saying, <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, maybe so. But he hmm. sure knew how to rip off Jimmy Buffett, okay. He sure did. Saw Jimmy making that good cash. He thought, said, hey. uh, beach music, yeah, that'll do it. I'll tell you what, Jimmy's uh, Jimmy's doing pretty well for himself. And I'm sure Kenny was like, hey, that Jimmy is doing pretty well for himself. <laughs> Well, Jimmy turned it into uh, a, uh, a corporate uh, process. 
Well, yeah, he has his own beer and his own tequila, his, his own, own line restaurants. of restaurants. He's got his. I'm he's, pretty sure he's written like three or four books. I think there's a. Uh, I read a thing. There's a Jimmy. He owns like a retirement community, or at least there's a Jimmy Buffett like themed retirement community. Oh yeah. Hmm. Doesn't Kenny Chesney own a, an island or something? I I don't know. I hmm. I don't find myself caring about Kenny Chesney often. No, don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. Hmm. All right, joining us now in studio, our good friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic, helping our listeners with their relationships, right, Andrew? Yeah, we are um, seeing a lot of guys come in, old and young. Um, a lot of guys come in, we found, and think that they've got too many health issues to get their ED fixed. Um diabetes or they've had their prostate removed or a whole host of things this treatment acoustic wave therapy opens up the blood vessels and does it so effectively in the area where you want it that we've been able to bypass a lot of that stuff so even if you have health issues even if you think there's no hope or you've had ed for a long time um, these treatments can work for you. And it's just treatments for a short period of time, and then you should be good to go. Nothing yeah, else, Yeah, right? that's what's so cool is two to three weeks of treatments is the average. Uh, so maybe that puts us to mid-November. Think about that. Yeah, Throw right. Throw away the pills. Mid-November, that's not that long um, to to discontinue all the suffering. Uh, it, it's a very good solution. You said two or three visits. Yeah, you know, it, it differs a little bit. Two to three weeks, typically. Uh, and okay. you may do three to six visits during that period. All right, 801-901-8000 is the number. 801-901-8000. You want to get on the schedule because uh, the assessment is free. It is, and last chance of the day. So call us now. We'll do uh, an initial exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound. That's with a medical doctor. Um, He's seen thousands of guys. Get in, get analyzed. It's totally free to those that call in now. And the wives can call too, right? The the wives can call and attend. (laughs) 801-901-8000, Andrew, thanks as always for coming in. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, more Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Coming up right around the corner, Jazz Game Night, pregame show, getting ready for the Jazz and the Clips. Ben Anderson going to be in the house tonight, Gordo. Yeah, well, good. I hope you guys don't sink the ship. Mm, We'll try and keep it afloat. Ben does a really good job, though. (laughs) No, you guys always do a fantastic job. And this is a game tonight that a lot of people are interested in, would have been more interested in had Kawhi Leonard uh, been available. But... uh, it's it's still it's still a quality opponent. You know it it what stinks is this is a nationally televised game yeah. and usually the NBA is pretty clear about their message like hey we won't object too much to this uh you know load management stuff if you play the games that you know we're going to really Lo- benefit load, from. Load management in after four games or whatever it's been. I think it's about the total games. I don't think I don't know if it's about the duration, but they obviously have a strategy. Uh, I don't like it. I do not like it. If he's healthy and can play, play the freaking game. I get it. You're trying to win a championship. At least play some of the game. Play half the game. Well, the this- fans out there, your customers, they pay all the money to come watch these great athletes play, and suddenly they announce, oh, you know, Kawhi Leonard will not be playing tonight because he's going to play uh, in San Antonio tomorrow night. Well, that's nice for the fans in San Antonio, 
What about the fans here? They don't care. They care? The fans care? No, no, no. The Clippers don't care. Well, that's Kawhi doesn't care. If you don't they care, don't, they don't care. If you don't care about your customers, then you got a problem. Well, I mean, probably the way the Clippers view it is this isn't, uh, they're not our customers. Although the, the NBA national TV viewer, I mean, is, is a customer of the Clippers, but they, but of uh, the Clippers, but no, they don't care. They don't care. Well, as I said, if as a part of your business plan, you have people in that process who don't care, you got a problem. I don't think they do. Well, it's, uh, call me old school, but if the guy can play, he should be playing. And if you and if you understand that there is a problem because there are too many regular season games, then shorten the freaking season. I know they won't do that. Shorten up the minutes. Shorten up the minutes. Why not have him play 20 tonight and 20 tomorrow night? What's the matter with that? That's not overly... You know, uh, uh, you know, burdensome is it? Well, this way you can rest the entire day. You still got to sit on the bench. No, I'm just telling you, Gordon. They don't care. I I think that all these reasons that you're bringing up are very valid. But you know, you know who cares? Not them. <laughs> all right, the Jazz Game Night pregame show coming up next quarter. I'll see you tomorrow, buddy. All right, see you later. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.